Good morning, everyone. And good morning to everyone watching online. If you are here in person, pat yourself on the back. You deserve an award. There is a time change and floodwaters outside. So you're amazing for being here. And if you're watching online, we understand that you're watching online this morning with the time change. So I um, have a couple of quick announcements. The first one is this Tuesday, March 14th, um, there is a trip to the biblical history um, trip to LaGrange, Georgia. Ken and Peggy Casey are leading that. If you already signed up, because their bus is full, if you already signed up, they wanted me to remind you they are leaving uh, here at 6.30 on Tuesday, um, and they want you to be here by 6.15. That's early, y'all. That's a committed group, right? I expect this group to get in more trouble than the youth group, so I expect to hear stories. So if you're going, have a good time. This is a ways away, but I want to let you know how awesome the Holy Week services are here. Uh, that's the week of Easter. They're going to be at noon every day. We have Tammy Jackson coming. Ken Casey, you know him, right? Laura Satterfield's amazing. Belinda Reeves, awesome. And Davis Johnson, incredible. So this past Wednesday, Pastor Sam drove the bus to Southside Methodist. We had a blast, a good connectional trip with Southside United Methodist. So they'll be here Friday of Holy Week. So we need to host them really well. So um, last Wednesday, yo, sorry, the Easter egg hunt is April the 8th. You can donate candy, right? It's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. So ask Catherine how you can help with the egg hunt. She will put you to work. Robbie's of Fayette is having a trunk show March 16th from 10 to 3 upstairs in the gathering room. They sell clothing and awesome things. I've honestly never been to it, but everybody here loves it and spends lots of money, and that goes to the children's ministry. Make sure you check it out. Um, and March 24th and 25th is spring cleaning days here at the church. So you can sign up to help and clean and make the church look awesome. Get it ready for Easter. So let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Loving God, we are so thankful that we can come together and worship on Time Change Sunday. We pray that you will calm our hearts and our minds and help us focus on you. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand and worship with us?
Y'all may be seated. Good morning. I'm glad to see you here. Um, I, was, I was telling David a while ago, I said, I felt like I was getting up for the sunrise service today with this time change. Like, this isn't Easter, but it's getting close. It's getting close. I was just thinking today, we're going to celebrate Holy Communion today. And um, the next time we celebrate Holy Communion t- together will be Maundy Thursday night and, uh, of Holy Week. So it's, it's coming upon us. So, um, Miss Catherine, you want to take the kids and do something fun with them in Children's Church? If you want to join with her, and um, yeah, there's just no telling what they're going to get into. 
the rest of us are going to have a time of prayer and then have our offering. <clears throat> and leading into that time of prayer, I want to call your attention to these beautiful flowers. There, Kaylin, be our smokes bottle. Go do the Vanna White thing. There, our beautiful flowers. Uh, this uh, was at the memorial service for Don Hiltz. So I just ask you to remember uh, the Hiltz family as, as they um, are in this time of, of grief and change. And, uh, and just remember fondly uh, Don like, like I do as we look at those beautiful flowers. Any other prayer requests that you have, you can send to us. We, we love to pray for you. Uh, send us an email, just write it on a card, give it to us. Give us uh, your joys and celebrations too. We like to hear answers to prayers. And as we give today, um, let's remember that what we give blesses us and it also blesses the people around us in ministries that we do for the kingdom of God. Let's pray. God, thank you for the beautiful gift of this day. Thank you for everyone who has taken time to pause and to be curious and open to see how you might speak to us today through the music, through fellowship, through the word. Lord, help us to be open. And as we give today, Lord, bless the gift and bless the giver. And we give you the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, 
Thank you, Praise Band. It's wonderful, as always. We don't want to take you for granted, though. We don't want to take you for granted. Um, the scripture today comes from John chapter 4, and we'll read verses 5 through 42. The whole story, just about, of the Jesus and the woman at the well in Samaria. I want to invite you to follow along with me. Look at that, look at that cool picture that Sheila got up there for us. Thank you, Sheila. Um, yeah. Yeah, look, everybody look and wave at the people in the booth back there, yeah. So, good morning, y'all. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. All right. John chapter 4, verses 5 through 42. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of water of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have said to, you would ask him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where, are you, where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I give them will never be thirsty. The water that I'll give them will will come in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you say the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. 
The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then the disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, what, what do you want or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I've ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples were saying to one another, surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me to complete his work. Do you not say four months and then comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from the city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I've ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It must have been 20 years ago or so, um, that our kids were little, and I was serving a, a, a church, and it was just, life was just chewing me up and spitting me out. I mean, it was having little kids is hard, trying to have juggle time and family. And the church was just having some awful difficulties and I just needed some help. So I went and started talking with a um, pastoral counselor, a friend of mine. And the first couple of times I met with him, it was just like I was just, unloading all of this this stress and unloading all of this problems and telling him all of these reasons that I was all stressed out and um, so just just venting uh, to someone who was interested and who maybe could help me and I never will forget that he he stopped me in the middle of all that about the third time I met with him and he said something that surprised me he said Sam, you got to get curious. And I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, you can, you can keep on getting critical and you can keep on getting cynical or you could just stop and get curious and say, what's going on here? What, what is it that I can learn from this? Just become a student. And then ask, what's my part in all this? 
And, and so that's never left me. I, I, I've often thought about that. And I often tell myself, Sam, you got to get curious. You could get critical. You could get cynical. Or you could just stop, look, and listen, and get curious. Picture in your mind Moses out in the, the desert taking care of his father-in-law's flock of sheep. He's been doing that for 40 years. 40 years. It's hot. It's dry. I imagine at times it's boring. 40 years every day going out and do the same thing. I always picture Moses. Did you ever watch that cartoon with uh, the sheepdog and Wiley Cody? And they, they both they, they clock in with a little time clock on the tree, you know? Morning, Sam. You know, that kind of thing, you know. That's what I picture Moses. He clocked in for 40 years. Every day is the same. Trying to find something for the sheep to eat. Trying to find water. All this kind of stuff. One day, Moses is going about his business. And he sees a bush. And the bush is, is on fire, but it's not burning up. It's not being consumed. And Moses said to himself, hmm. How is it that this bush is on fire and yet it's not burning up? And he says in Exodus 3, verse 3, he says, I must turn aside to look at this great sight. I must turn aside. What if Moses had gotten critical? And what if he'd gotten cynical? What if he hadn't gotten curious? What if he hadn't stopped and wondered, how is it? You know, I love the Bible. I love to read it. I love to study it. I love to teach it. I love to preach it. I have loved the Bible since before I could read. Because my grandmother used to read it to me. And, and so, so many times, I can't tell you how many times, there's been a passage of Scripture that I've read a hundred times before. But if, if, if I just hold still... And I get curious, and, and I listen, then something jumps out at me. This time, when I was looking at this passage, the woman at the well, how many times have I read that? I don't know. But the, what jumped out at me was those three little words, how is it? How is it? Because I think these three words, this holy curiosity makes the difference between whether we have a holy moment where we take our shoes off and listen from, and hear from God or whether or not we just go on about our day and we just miss it. The one quality that will help us the most in our, in our growth as disciples of Jesus Christ is just holy curiosity, just wondering, how, how is it? God, what are you doing so in John chapter 4, Jesus is leaving Judea and he's starting back to Galilee because a bunch of Pharisees were spreading rumors and, and false, false stories about him in order to try to stir up strife and division. And um, so verse 4, though, is a really, really critical turning point. Verse 4 says, but he had to go through Samaria. On his way back to Galilee. But he had to go through Samaria. So our first how is it. We have four how is it's today. The first how is it is. How is it that Jesus took that route. Back 
to Galilee, the one right through Samaria. I mean, if you look at a map uh, of that time and you look from Judea to Galilee, the most direct route would be right through Samaria, the most direct one. That would make the most sense. But every Jew in that day would have not gone that way. They would have crossed over the Jordan River and then gone north and then crossed back over because, because, just simply put, the Jews hated the Samaritans. Just hated them. And the Samaritans didn't like them very much either. It's a hostility that went back hundreds of years. And it was a hostility that was strong and powerful because it was rooted in the two things that make us fight with each other then and now. It was rooted in race and religion. So Jesus said, hey, to his disciples, hey, we're, we're going to head back to Galilee. And I can imagine the disciples headed out toward the river because they think we're going to cross the river and go north. And Jesus said, no, 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 we're going to go through Samaria. I've got to go through Samaria. And I can imagine the disciples looking at each other and thinking, what? Well, first they would get critical. It's like, Jesus, you don't want to go, you don't want to go through there. And then maybe cynical is like, you can't do anything with those Samaritans. You know, they called them dogs. You can't do anything with those dogs. Come on. But if we will stop and if we will look and if we will listen, you find God in unexpected places, unexpected people. So back to the question, how is it that Jesus had to go through Samaria? Well, he had a meeting. He had a meeting. The disciples didn't know that. The person he was going to have the meeting with didn't know that at the time. But Jesus knew. So they went through Samaria. They got to a Samaritan city called Sychar. It was about noon. Jesus sat down by Jacob's well because he was tired and he was thirsty. Well, this is our second how is it. How is it that Jesus, son of God, was tired and thirsty? (laughs) Well, because Jesus, son of God, was also son of man which means he was human in every way in addition to being fully divine. Of course Jesus got tired. Of course he got thirsty and sweaty. And he sat down there and he sent the disciples on into town to get some food so that he was there by himself for his meeting, right? And the woman, Samaritan woman, comes to the well and remember I said it was about noon, It was the hottest part of the day. And usually, it was always the woman's job to draw the water. Usually, the women would go in the cool of the morning or in the cool of the evening. And they would all go together so that they could do this kind of drudgery type job. But at least they would have each other to socialize with while they were drawing the water. But she was by herself. And it was noon. So this is the third how is it. How is it that this woman comes by herself at noon, the hottest part of the day, to draw the water? I can't say for sure, but I've got an idea. Verses 18 and 19, we, in Jesus' conversation with her, we find out that she's 
had five husbands, been divorced five times, and as we like to say in the South, she's shacking up with the guy that she's with right now. Have y'all ever heard that? Is it just, oh, come on now. I know I'm country, but um, she's shacking up with the guy that she's with right now. So here's what I think. I think maybe she's by herself and coming at a time when nobody else would come because she's an outcast among the women in the town. You think that's a fair deduction? So you might be wondering how in the world a woman in that day could be married and divorced five times. Well, we know it wasn't her doing because a woman couldn't divorce her husband. Only the husband could divorce the wife. And they did often that day for just about any old reason. The book of Deuteronomy says that a husband could divorce his wife if she found, quote, found no favor in his eyes. And that seems to open the door up for just about any reason, any interpretation, and that's what they did. They ran with it. The rabbis would come up with these, these broad definitions of what was acceptable for a reason for a divorce. And in the Mishnah, some of the rabbis said, well, a divorce can be granted if a woman spoiled a dish that she was cooking by burning it or by adding the wrong amount of spice. Grounds for divorce. A man could divorce his wife if he found another woman that he thought was more beautiful than the one he had. And from that same book, the rabbis taught that a woman could be divorced by her husband for being a, quote, noisy woman. And they went on further to elaborate what was the definition of a noisy woman. One, uh, one that was noisy enough that could be heard by the neighbors. So I don't know. Maybe the Samaritan woman was a bad cook. Maybe uh, she was noisy. I don't know. We can't just assume that she was a flusy. Or, or maybe she was a flusy. Regardless, Jesus met her at the well. And as I said, it was hot and Jesus was tired and thirsty. He didn't have a bucket to draw any water with. He asked the Samaritan woman, hey, would you draw me some water and give me a drink of water? And this is the last one. This is the last, how is it? And this one comes from the woman. She said, how is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? And then for the reader's benefit, John puts in parentheses, Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Wow, that's an understatement. That's an understatement. That's putting it mildly because men didn't speak to women at all in public unless they were related to them. And the Jews didn't speak to Samaritans at all. They certainly, certainly would not have drunk out of the same water jar. And you say, well, you know, that's kind of silly. It, that's, really, that's really bigoted. Why would anybody act like that? Let's get curious. Hmm, why would anybody act like that? 
Last week, how many of you were here and heard Pastor Garrett speak last week? Wasn't he, wasn't he fantastic? Um, it, it reminded me of years ago when I was working with youth, we would go in the summer times to urban ministries and we would do a mission trip. And every time that we went to urban ministries, uh, I always made it a point to take the kids to the Civil Rights Institute, the Civil Rights Museum on 16th Street. If you've never been to the Civil Rights Museum, downtown Birmingham, you really got to go. It is so well done, so eye-opening, so profoundly moving to go through and see um, what was going on. And we'd go through there, and the youth, their eyes would get wide. They'd see the, the burned-out bus from the Freedom Riders that happened just down the road in Anniston. They would see the Martin Luther King's jail cell where he wrote the letters from Birmingham jail. They would see all of this stuff. But then it never failed. We'd get to these public, old public water fountains, and one that said whites only, one that said colored only, and they would stop there, and they would just stare at that. You mean they wouldn't even drink from the same water as a black person? And y'all, that hasn't been that long ago. That mentality of, of othering people and and treating them as if they're less and unclean. So get curious. Get curious. Stop and listen. What can we learn from this? Can we be students? Could we learn from this that, that Jesus is trying to teach his disciples that anyone, anyone who is created in the image of God can never be treated as less can never be treated as other or unclean or unworthy. Because Jesus not only taught that way, Jesus led that way as an example. Followers of Jesus have to treat others as they themselves would want to be treated. So back to the woman at the well. Jesus said, you know what? Me asking you for water is not that big of a deal. What is a big deal is that I can give you living water. Water that will satisfy the deep down thirst of your soul to be in right relationship with God and with your neighbor. So this leads to another exchange between the woman and Jesus. She didn't understand. She's like, Jesus, how are you going to give me living water? You don't even have a bucket the disciples didn't understand when they got back from town to get food. And they said, Rabbi, eat something. He said, well, I have bread to eat that you don't know anything about. And they said, did somebody go to Subway and bring him a sandwich? And we didn't know about it because they're just not getting it, right? So living water, living water, bread of life, new life offered. New life offered to everyone, even a Samaritan woman. And then that same Samaritan woman becoming an evangelist and going and telling the whole town, hey, come and see this man who told me everything I ever did. Could he be the Messiah? I don't know. And many of the Samaritans came to believe. How is it? How is it? 
we don't understand it all. And that's my point. We're never going to understand it all. We just have to stay curious. To stop, look, and listen. To draw near. To draw near with holy curiosity. Draw near with faith and receive this cup of life. This, this bread from heaven. And then go tell others. So I say to you today, let everyone who has a thirsty heart, no matter what you've done, let everyone who have a, has a thirsty heart come and receive the cup of salvation. Let everyone with a hungry soul come and receive the bread from heaven. Amen. On the night in which Jesus gave himself up for us, he took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it. And he said, take and eat. This is my body which is broken for you. And after supper, he took the cup. He gave thanks to the Father and he said, drink from this, all of you. This is the blood of the New Testament which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us pray. And gracious God, we pause to listen to what your spirit would say to our heart in this holy moment. We thank you for your body which was broken for us, for your blood that was shed for us. We confess to you our sins even now. All the ways that we have fallen short of your glory. Father, heal us and forgive us. All the ways that we have mistreated our neighbor. That we have treated others as if they're less or unworthy. When we have been cynical and, and critical instead of curious. Forgive us, Lord, we pray, and free us for new life. Now pour out your Spirit upon us gathered here. Pour out your Spirit on those who are worshiping by live stream as they, as they prepare to celebrate communion right where they are. Make us all one with you, one with each other, and then one in ministry to all the world as we depart this place. Until you come in final victory, O oh Lord. And we all feast at your heavenly banquet together. We feast at this banquet. And we say thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Just a couple of um, reminders. One is... Um, just because you're worshiping live stream at home doesn't mean you can't celebrate communion with us. Just get whatever you have on hand. And as we celebrate communion, you have communion too. For those of us who are gathered here, 
Um, Pastor Andy and I will come out front with the elements and we will we'll hand you um, a bread and cup and then take as long as you need to, to um, stop at the altar and pray. Uh, another how is it that John Wesley used to use in his class meetings was the one thing they would ask each other is how is it with your soul? So as you come to the table today, ask yourself, how is it with my soul? Uh, and, and just meet with God here as, as long as you need to. We have open communion. Everyone who's present, everyone with a hungry heart and a thirsty soul is welcome to come. You don't have to be a member of this church or any church. Um, and also, the last thing is, it's our custom to, to leave a communion offering on the altar rail. And what we do with this offering is God leads you and makes you able to do that. What we do with that communion offering left on the altar rail is we help those who come to us in need, our local mission, our local um, needs that we have here, which we, we have many. So now, won't you come and receive the Lord's Supper?
And thank you, Lord, for breathing on us today. Thank you for reviving us. Thank you for this holy moment where we take our shoes off and feel your spirit and hear your voice. Now, as we go forth, help us to be spreaders of the good news like the Samaritan woman was. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.